taking a little break in our study of the minor prophets to focus on the work of Christ this Easter season. The book of Mark chapter 8. I want to begin reading in verse 27 and read down through verse 33. Mark chapter 8, verse 27. Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others that you are one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. If you'd look at verse 12 of chapter 9 as well, Jesus again speaking to them said, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. And how is it written concerning the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? Jesus here is really blowing the disciples' um, paradigm out of the water. They see Jesus as the coming Messiah. You are the Christ. They see him as coming to set up his kingdom, being coronated as king. And they see him in, in this, man, there is a great future ahead. And Jesus says, wait a minute here. I'm I'm telling you, there are many things that I am going to suffer. I am going to be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes. I am going to be killed, and then again I will rise the third day. And you notice we read, Peter then took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now think of that rebuking Jesus Christ. But this is how um, how they had Jesus fitting in their box. This is what was supposed to happen. And Jesus says, no, um, that isn't how it's going to be. I am going to experience some, some horrible things to the point that they are going to kill me, but I will rise again. I don't think they even heard the part rise again. 
No, no, they're not going to kill you, Jesus. You are the Messiah. And Jesus severely rebuked Peter and said, Get you behind me, Satan, because you mind the things not of God, but the things of man. You're trying to fit God into your box, into your scenario, into your story. And he said, I am going to suffer many things and be killed. And and it says um, that Jesus then, um, after he rebuked them, another passage, and all these are recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, the same account. It says, after he said this again, that um, they, they didn't dare ask him any questions. Well, you can see why. After he severely rebuked Peter, get you behind me, and the next time it happens, they had enough sense, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm not going to say anything. But we... We look at this aspect, why in God's design did Jesus have to suffer? Why, why couldn't it have been the way Peter and, and the other disciples had planned? Why did Jesus have to suffer? Well, we want to we look at just a few things in backdrop in looking at suffering. First of all, we have to realize that sin is the source of suffering. You think about it. There was no suffering in the Garden of Eden before the fall. There, I mean, you think of it. Absolutely no suffering before the fall. There was no death, there was no sorrow, there was no suffering before the fall. We, as human beings, in in the original form, Adam and Eve, were created free and permanent. But sin changed it all. We are now enslaved, transient, and very temporal. I mean, you think of it, sin changed all of that. Sin broke fellowship with God for which we were created. We, as human beings, were created for fellowship with God. Adam and Eve had that fellowship with God. God came and walked with them in the Garden of the Eden and talked to them. And, and yet, when they sinned, That fellowship was broken, and it immediately brought suffering into every life and into the world. So, you realize we live in a world full of suffering, but the bottom line of all suffering can be traced back to sin. Secondly, suffering is a part of living in a fallen world. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And understanding and knowing the book of Genesis 
is vital to understanding the mind of God. Genesis gives us God's mind and the beginning. And the book of Revelation is very important to understand because it gives us God's mind concerning the end. And those are very important to understand. But notice Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17. This is after sin. Then to Adam God said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it, and all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and ye shall eat the herb of the field, and in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for the dust you are, and to the dust you shall return. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a good thing. It's telling us the ground is cursed, that we live in a fallen and cursed world. How many of you have seen your first mosquito yet this year? We have. Yesterday, of all things, it was in the car. We're driving and it's flying on the front windshield. Now, we don't say, yes, I saw my first mosquito. It's not like seeing the first robin. And I I know that, that God created mosquitoes, but I know before the curse, they had a different purpose rather than sucking blood out of you, okay? And we could spend all day talking about the consequences of the curse. I mean, multifloral rose, don't you love it? Thistles, weeds, I mean, just look around. There's all these evidences of the curse. We live in a fallen world. All these storms that come. There weren't these storms in the Garden of Eden before sin. It's, it's the result of this world is in, in turmoil. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And notice verse 18. Romans 8.18 For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Notice verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Now, what he's saying is there's the curse has affected all of creation. And the whole creation groans in in pangs and 
And as he mentioned here, waiting to be delivered. The whole creation is under the, the burden of the suffering of the curse. And because of sin, the fallen world that we live in, we, we bear the consequences. We age. We weaken. We die. It all involves suffering. Doesn't matter what pills, what exercise regiment you're on, it doesn't matter. I've, I've never met anyone that said, look at me, I'm 500 years old, I'm as strong as I was when I was 25, and it's all because I take this bottle of you-know-what. It doesn't happen. I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of your body, but the fact is, we live in a fallen world, and it involves suffering, and there is much suffering in this world, and part of it just is part of life. That we do get old, we weaken, we die. It involves suffering. But there's also, that's the general suffering, but there is also the point that we suffer as individuals because we choose sin. Adam and Eve were given the privilege to choose, and they chose independence, self-sufficiency, And it ended up, they chose sin and death. Proverbs 14 and verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Exhibit A, Adam and Eve. Jesus said, God told us in Romans chapter 6, The wages of sin is death. If we choose to violate God's laws, there will be consequences. Violating God's laws, disregarding God's ways, suffering is guaranteed when we reject God and His design. We also suffer because of other people's decisions. When, when other people make decisions violating God's laws, many times it affects us as well. It affects others. The, the decisions of people with adultery and incest and divorce and suicide and gambling and addictions and greed and on and on, it never affects just one person. It affects many people and brings suffering to many people. So, there is suffering in this world. It affects everything. It all can be traced back to sin. And then that brings us back to Christ. Christ suffered and told the, he told the disciples, I'm going to suffer many things. And this week, as you read through the things on the back of the bulletin, You'll be reminded again as we turn our attention to what he did on the cross and what he suffered there. But Christ suffered because of my sin. It wasn't because of his sin. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5. And that's what makes this, this whole account of Christ that we're putting the other end of it now, Christmas, we looked at Him humbling Himself and coming into this curse-filled world and living as a man in this world, and yet He lived without sin. And why did He come? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For He made Him, for He, God, made Him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus Christ willingly took our sin, my sin, and bore the suffering of my sin, although He was totally free from sin. He was holy. There was no sin in Him. He willingly came and took my sin and bore the suffering that my sin produced so that I could be made righteous in Him. He willingly did this. Sometimes as we go through the the final days of Christ's life, we think it was an unfair trial and it was it was uh, rigged and they were against Him and <clears throat> no man took His life from Him. It says in John chapter 10, I lay down my life for you. No man can take it from me. I do this as a willing sacrifice. It wasn't like they, they trapped him. They couldn't get him until he was willing to lay down his life. And it says in Galatians chapter 3 <clears throat> that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The law says this is what God expects. We violate God's law. We do not meet up to it. And so we bear the penalty of disobedience to the law. But it says that Christ um, became a, a curse for us. He bore our curse, redeeming us from the curse of the law. Because it says, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. It was speaking of Christ's life. No sin, no curse upon Him, but He came and took my place and your place, and He offered Himself and He bore the suffering that our sin brought. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, But we see Jesus, who was made for the suffering unto death, that He would taste death for every man. He took the death for every man. That suffering. He was telling Peter and the disciples, Peter said, no, 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 you don't need... Jesus says, you don't understand. You would have no forgiveness of sins. You would have no peace were not I to go through with this suffering that he was going to endure. He 
truly is our substitute. He willingly took all the suffering that I deserved and you deserved, and he took our place, and he offers to you and me and to the entire world <clears throat> forgiveness. I, I am willing to take your place. First John tells us he was manifested to take away our sins. So it is through Christ's suffering that many things are accomplished. And let me just quickly mention these. Through Christ's suffering, bearing the consequences of our sin as our substitute, he conquers sin. And, and we put down the, the references here. We don't have time this morning to, to go over all those. But he conquered sin. The, the power of sin is death. And 1 Corinthians 15 is the resurrection chapter. And it says, He came, He bore the consequence of sin, death, but He rose victorious from the dead, conquering sin and death and hell and Satan. That's why the resurrection is one of the the greatest celebrations that we have as Christians because it, it guarantees the victory. He conquers sin. But it is through Christ's sufferings and His resurrection that He reverses the curse. Revelation 21. Uh, again, we don't have time to go there, but you go and read it. And, and someday... Everything will be back again as God designed it. The lion will lay down with the lamb. Mosquitoes will do whatever they're supposed to do. I guess feed birds. I don't know what they're... What they're I, I don't know what multifloral roses will are supposed to do either. But one of the things they do do is produce well, right? And And... Everything, though, will be as God designed it. Why? Because Christ conquered sin and death, and He is showing that He is the ruler over all, and He is going to restore everything back to His original design. But in relation to us, Christ's suffering forgives our sin. Every one of us are born into this world and we're born as sinners and we carry this weight of sin. <clears throat> and people try many different things. They, they try having their good works outweigh their sin. And, and hopefully they think that their good works will outweigh their sin and they'll be good enough. God says, no, I can't allow any sin into my heaven. Others will try religion, and religion is one of the biggest tools of Satan. Because there are many, many religions and true and false religions, but it's not a religion that can forgive sin. There are many other things that people do. They, they try to do things in their life to make them not think about the guilt of their own sin. 
But only Jesus Christ can forgive sins. And that's why the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection is, is paramount in, in our lives. It is only Jesus Christ that can forgive sins. It is only Jesus Christ that can make us say, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1 We are condemned apart from Christ, but in Christ there is no condemnation. Man, glory, no condemnation. I deserve to be condemned. But when I am in Jesus Christ, His suffering, His death, His blood, His resurrection makes it so that I am set free from the burden of sin. So see, you either accept Jesus Christ and His payment, His substitutionary payment for your sin, or you must suffer for all eternity. Whose sufferings are you going to apply? The suffering Jesus Christ did, or your own sufferings, your own figuring things out? There is only one that forgives sins. Acts 4.12 There is not salvation in any other name under heaven except Jesus Christ. It's not in Grace Baptist Church. It's in Jesus Christ. That alone, it won't matter if you say, I'm a member of Grace Baptist Church. You can be a member of Grace Baptist Church and not be in Christ. It is only when we have come to the point and and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I am a sinner condemned already. And God, I trust the work of Jesus Christ that He took my place. He paid the penalty for my sin. And I trust and accept Him. It is in Jesus Christ that He delivers us From, number one, the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin is death, meaning eternal separation from God. So the minute you accept Jesus Christ as Savior, you are guaranteed to be set free from the condemnation of hell. You are given a home in heaven. Secondly, Jesus Christ delivers us from the power of sin. Before I come to Christ, all I have is my own power. I am a slave to sin. Read Romans 6. But when I come to Christ, I still have my old nature, but now I have a choice. I have a choice to obey the old nature or to obey God. I have a new element in my life. The Spirit of God is in my life. I have a new life. I have spiritual life. And and that's why throughout the epistles, throughout the Bible, it says, don't yield to the flesh, but yield to the Spirit. Put off the old man and put on the new man. This is the battle that we're going in. 
And in Christ, He has now given me a choice. I don't, I am not a slave to sin anymore. I don't have to obey that. Through Christ, I can obey Him. I can yield to Him. But there's still that battle. But this is the third thing. Christ delivers us from the presence of sin. Someday, when we see Him, we will be set free from the old flesh and the old nature. There will be no more sin. And we are free from the presence of sin. No more battle. No more struggle. That is one of the things that I look forward to the most in heaven. No more battle with this. So, in Christ, He saves me from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and someday from the presence of sin. So, let me just make a few applications here. Jesus said, I am going to suffer many things. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be crucified. And I will rise again the third day. I love the confidence of Jesus. I mean, nothing could hold him. He guaranteed things, and he rejoiced in that. And yet, we need to come to see his sufferings from the right perspective. First of all, I ask, have I seen the hideousness and the evil of my sin which cause Christ's suffering. You know, when, when you read about what it was to be crucified, it was a horrible death. It was a death that it was illegal for Romans to crucify a fellow Roman citizen because it was such a horrible death. And when, when you understand why, why did Jesus suffer this agony and why did... Did he bear this scourging and why? It's because of our sin. It's easy for us to, yep, I sinned like, yep, I tripped on a rock and fell down. No, no, no. This, this, my sin caused his suffering. And then we ask this. Have I trusted Christ's substitutionary suffering for my sin? Am I really trusting? Has there been a time in my life that I personally said, God, I am not going to run my life anymore, and I am trusting what you did to pay the penalty for my sin, and I am trusting that. Christ's coming and Christ's suffering forces a decision on behalf of every human being. What will I do with Jesus? Not just, do you believe Him? Do you believe He existed? What will I do with His death, burial, and resurrection? Will I appropriate it in my life and trust it, trust Him for the forgiveness of my sin? Or will I reject it? The songwriter said, What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, What will He do with me? 
And that day comes for every one of us, and it's all determined, not whether you went to church, not how good you were, it's all determined what you've done with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Have you applied it? And tonight we'll be going over and uh, showing a, a video about the Passover. We'll be going over until the blood is applied, it's of no avail. Have you applied the blood? And then we ask, am I manifesting gratefulness for what Christ did for me? Does my life manifest? He took my place. He bore my penalty. I mean, if nothing else ever happened in life, I was going to say, if that's all Christ did, not minimizing it, if that's the only thing He ever did, our hearts ought to be filled with gratefulness. I was condemned and He set me free. And we walk around like the sky's falling on us. We, we walk around forgetting what He has done. We, we should be so grateful that, that we can't help but But manifest that. It's because we don't realize the gravity of our sin. And because we don't realize the greatness of our sin, we don't value the sacrifice of Christ. He did what no one else could do. And He did it because He loved you individually. He cared for you. So... It does come down. What have you done with Jesus Christ? And what are you doing with Him? His suffering was necessary for our forgiveness. Heavenly Father, I pray that You would truly make personal in each of our lives um, Your sacrificial life and death and resurrection as a substitute taking our place. And Lord, I pray if there is one here today that is not sure they are trusting You, I pray they would settle that today. Lord, we plead Your mercies. We We ask that each of us that have claimed the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sin, Lord, help us to be filled with gratefulness and and joy at what You've done in our lives. And Lord, we pray that we would reflect Your greatness in our lives because of what You've done for us. For we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Let's stay.